Today we are reading through Acts 2, verses 29 through 47. This is the conclusion of Peter's address to the people who gathered after hearing and seeing the, the gift of tongues, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And so this large crowd of people has gathered, and so Peter concludes his teaching to them, beginning at verse 29. Fellow Israelites, I must say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on this throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together, in the temple they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This third and final part of Peter's address to the crowd upon the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all of them, refers to his resurrection and ascension. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but Jesus. Jesus' body saw no corruption, no decay, but David's did. This psalm that is used here is not about David, but about Jesus. David foresaw the promise, the resurrection of the Messiah, and Peter declares it by repeating Psalm 16, central point, about the Messiah. He does this in verse 31. 
Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying he was speaking of the Messiah, not of David. He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. The resurrection of Jesus makes possible the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues. Peter combines the use of Scripture with the truth about Jesus, declaring that Jesus is the Messiah and has fulfilled his promise. This Jesus is the one, the one whom God raised from the dead, and to which these apostles were actual witnesses. The resurrection is not a myth, not a fable, but is but a historical fact that changed the trajectory of these witnesses of their lives. Peter restates that God has made Jesus both Lord and Messiah in verses 34 through 36. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore let the entire house of Israel know that with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. And to focus this, Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God, first and foremost. He, secondly, he received from the Father the promise of the Spirit and has become the mediator of the Spirit, leading us to salvation. Thirdly, therefore, Jesus has now poured out his Spirit, God's Spirit, upon you. All those who, are, who have gathered there, who have heard and seen what has happened. And so what Peter is saying, that, that Jesus has now poured out his Spirit upon all those people that are gathered there. And this is a gift from God that is mediated by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Jesus has done what the prophet Joel proclaimed and has ascended to the right hand of God to continue to mediate the Spirit. So it's not a one-time gift of the Spirit, but a continual gift. Earlier, Peter made the point that the resurrection of the Messiah, of the Messiah, which David foretold, was about Jesus' physical resurrection, not David's. Now, he reasserts that the ascension that Joel spoke of was not accomplished by King David, but by Jesus. His conclusion is an in-house call to repentance, calling them to repent from their participation in the crucifixion of Jesus. You see, Peter is a fellow Jew speaking to, to his brothers and sisters, these other Jews, like a pastor would address his or her flock. God has made this crucified Jesus both Lord and Messiah. So it's important to distinguish that this is not an anti-Semitic statement from Peter, but this is a call to repentance to his own people from Peter, who is a fellow Jew. When the crowd heard Peter's words, it says that they were cut to the heart. They are moved, they are convicted that Jesus truly is their Lord and Messiah. So they ask, what should they do? Peter's response is, First, to repent, make a conscious turn in your life toward God. 
Secondly, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And thirdly, is not something you can do. It's something that you will receive, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here, Peter is clear. Salvation comes not from our efforts, but through the work, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus' work that accomplishes us accomplishes our salvation. This gift is for anyone who turns to God and receives it. And this promise is for uh, is for the audience that Peter is addressing. It is for them, it is for their children, and it is for the Jews have who've been dispersed throughout the world, who have intermarried, who are no longer completely Israelite. It is for those uh, non-Jewish converts. So it is not distinguished by any limits, this gift of God's grace, this gift of the Spirit, nor does it have any ethnic preferences. The promise is for all whom God calls and they who experience salvation by turning to God, those who experience deliverance in the face of the coming judgment. On that day, it says, 3,000 were baptized. While Peter is realistic about human nature, our ability to sin, these early followers are also very optimistic about the grace of God. This new community devotes themselves to four things, to apostolic teaching, teaching them all that Jesus commanded, and that's why the scriptures especially these Gospels, uh, but all of the scriptures are important to us. Devoted themselves to apostolic teaching, secondly to fellowship. The Greek word there is koinonia, which is a mutual caring for one another, much like a husband and wife um, care for one another. And so when they distributed their goods, sold them and distributed the 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 proceeds to any who had need. This is an example of their caring for one another. Thirdly, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which was table fellowship and likely included the Lord's Supper. And through that gift of the Lord's Supper, they were called and commissioned to go out into the world and to share Christ. And so that's how they did that with many signs and wonders. And then through prayer. Prayer in the temple and prayer at home. Prayer in the public church and prayer in the private church. Their unity was seen in praising God and having goodwill among all of these believers, all of the people. This is the conclusion to this Pentecost story, and it evokes questions for me, but I'd like to present you with just one. And that question is, how is God calling us to be the church today? How have we diverged from that early church? And is God calling us back to anything as we live through this global virus one of the questions that continually comes to mind for me is, have we neglected 
the house church. I pray that God will bless your reflection upon this devotion and that God will bless your day.